This is Jess Explores. I'm Jess and I work in Mare, the SFI Research Center for Energy, Climate and Marine. Join me today on a new episode of Jess Explores. So today I'm so excited to introduce you to my new friends, Christian and Jimmy from the Crypto Coral Tribe, which is just such an amazing, fantastic idea. It's really a collaboration between artists and creators and, and the way to use the crypto market to help biodiversity and support biodiversity missions and projects. I learned so much during our interview. I really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed talking about the Crypto Coral Tribe, and I hope that you do too. There's a lot to learn about crypto markets in here, but then also understanding crypto markets and how we can support marine and biodiversity projects. So without further ado, here's my interview with the founders of the Crypto Coral Tribe, Jimmy and Christian. I'm Christian, and I'm one of the co-founders of Crypto Coral Tribe. The way in which this started and the way in which I kind of got interested in this whole field was I'd been sort of creating um, digital art for some time, always related to the body, motion, nature, always trying to express that beauty and that dialogue of nature, you know, so that's always been present in my mind and, and always using the digital medium to do so. So as that whole journey unfolded and I started kind of seeing how this the crypto space and in particular the crypto art space started giving in opportunities to kind of creators to expose their work and importantly verify the ownership of it and be able to sell it on a marketplace, you know. So I felt this was a really like interesting um, thing to start investigating more in, uh, more into. And another thing about the technology of, of blockchain which really caught my attention was its decentralized nature. So the fact that it's not something that's hosted by one central body like Facebook or a central bank or someone controlling all that information. It's actually um, a series of nodes throughout a network throughout the world who kind of host this. So I really like that, that idea and that principle that you could have a decentralized system facilitating a global operation. These two sort of factors are the ones that sort of compelled me most to come into this. And um, as I met Jimmy and uh, we would often like go for like walks by the beach and kind of share a lot of our passion for like just being out there, being in nature, like taking in the sun, taking in the waves, all that, all that good stuff. We, we started sort of thinking, how do we start bringing this technology to serve a deep need that, that I had in myself, you know, which is like, you know, our planet is a finite resource and we, there isn't that much time, you know, and I really feel that in order to make a change and an accelerated change there's got to be some sort of like technological implosion something's going to happen you know so that kind of that drove me to start thinking with Jimmy about how we could start using blockchain how we could start using the power of art to, to make a project and, and bind a community um, around this and there was born Crypto Coral Tribe maybe Jimmy can keep expanding along that story. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I'm Jimmy. First of all, thanks a lot for, for having us on board again. And on a personal note, I personally grew up with a big family of like sailors and a lot of them went to the Navy and, and grew up by the sea and in this small fisherman town in the east of Spain, uh, close to a big marine reservation. So the sea is something that I grew up with since I was small, whether it was diving, surfing, sailing, and naturally a big connection developed through that. And then my professional career started involving and tapping into a lot of startups uh, using technology in some way. But the big focal point or turning point in my life when, came when I went to Mozambique to work for an NGO in order to scale a project using agri-tech. And that really got me studying and looking into different applications of technology and nature in order to provide kind of a leveraged outcome 
on uh, environmental conservation in some way. So as Christian mentioned, then we we started kind of uh, gathering a lot, going for walks and just sharing our journey on the blockchain space and business as well. And as we started brainstorming of ideas of, of how we could merge this connection to nature and interest in technology, slowly we started forming what we now call the Cryptoco tribe. And, you know, it's crazy to think that was like five, six months ago. And now we're a group of about nine people. We've got uh, an artist in Brazil, which leads the solar punk movement. Two of our good friends in real life as well, working with us. Another two girls based in Serbia and Bali, which help with marketing. A team of video producers, graphic designers. So it's evolved very nicely. And, and yeah, it's great to have this team kind of working towards a common goal, which is to some way drive marine conservation uh, within a line community. Do you want to explain the crypto coral tribe? I know you you sent me on a white paper or a roadmap of how you see it evolve, but I think it would be important for the listener to kind of like hear where we are because it's going to start off very soon and then how they can get involved and how you see the future of the tribe. Yeah, the main goal um, and what really spawned the crypto coral tribe was this idea of uniting a community in some way, which was passionate about all the possibilities they were in leveraging art and technology to drive marine conservation. And that is expressed not only through our community, but what we call our roadmap, which are all the plans that we plan to execute down the line. So the main goal of this is to provide our community, and by community, I mean people that uh, kind of buy an NFT and, and are part of what we're building, provide them all with, with economic education and recreational incentives through trips and uh, educational resources and investment opportunities, all while driving marine conservation and have them excited about that. It's a bit like over the top of the mission and, and what really got us excited about this. But then more specifically, a focal point of what we're building is that 50% of all the proceeds that Crypto Coral Tribe uh, will generate now and in the future are going to be relayed back into what we call an impact fund, which is ultimately a community-led wallet which we'll be using in order to invest in projects which use art and technology to drive wildlife conservation in some way. The beauty that me and Christian kind of saw when this idea first spawned is this idea of empowering individuals to drive this change, to get them excited, to make this process of investing and investigating uh, you know, environmental conservation projects a gamified experience, not just a one-off donation that you could do to an NGO, but instead make them be part of that process and kind of experience what it's like to really be involved in that to make a decision on what NGOs get funded and which don't and uh, even propose uh, projects on behalf of the community. How do they get involved then? The way it works, the, just to go back back one one step of logic. So an, an NFT allows you in a sense, it's, it's, a, it's a digital asset which you can own and it's verified that it's your name, right? So Jimmy can own an NFT, I could own an NFT. And by having that NFT, you can you can verify that it's you. Okay, so that gives that starts giving us the possibility of voting. So essentially, a series of projects on a periodic basis, every two three months, will be curated by ourselves and a team of of, of people looking to sort of potentiate the impact fund. And these projects might be sort of uh, creative projects uh, to do with art and sort of expressing like why it's important to like really revitalize nature now, or they might be like planting coral or they might be other sort of on field on the field projects so you'll get this as you said catalog of projects which will appear every couple of months and 
at that moment, NFT holders will be able to verify that they are an owner of an NFT. One NFT equals one vote. And they, be, they will be able to direct the funds into which projects will be fulfilled. So when that project's budget, a little bit like Kickstarter almost, um, or a fund, crowdfunding platform gets met, when that budget gets met, that, that uh, transaction will be sent to that um, NGO or party. You know, um, And the other cool thing about the blockchain is that all the transactions are transparent. So if I log in and I connect my wallet and, and, and vote for this product or whatever, and, and it goes through, I can actually see um, the transaction. I can see that it's arrived to that party. So it's all a very sort of transparent and an open process. That's one of the ways of being involved very mechanically. And, and the second way is sort of like, say we were to create a, a small art collection based on um, ocean plastics, or we were to invest in coral micro fragmenting or whatever it is. Um, whatever resources or products or things that might emerge from that endeavor um, can also be filtered back into the community. So there'll be potential for people to own art or have these experiences or go to these places based on the investments we make. So there's a little bit of like a rewards ecosystem uh, there, again, sort of incentivizing that that experience to participate and, and be part of these um, investments. Would it then be possible for tribe to also follow up on the projects, you know, when you have your investment at the very beginning, but then also see how they then use the funds? Absolutely. So the main thing here is we're playing with our strengths. And as Christian just explained, kind of the, the nature of blockchain, right? One of our strengths or, or one of the issues that we hope to solve is, is this idea of, of transparency and uh, trust within any NGO related investment, which tends to lack often, right? And given the transparency and traceability that blockchain provides, this allows to kind of uh, monitor any transactional process that we do in a much more transparent way. So a lot of the investments that we do will be looking to kind of monitor not just the, the sending of funds and how they're deployed, but also the overall impact of that investment. So slowly we can start kind of aggregating the overall impact that, you know, our community is having within the environment in different kind of following different metrics. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, a lot of this project is just to, to drive marine conservation and wildlife conservation in different ways, right? And there's so many cards to deal with there. One of them being education, right? Educating people. Another one is just getting people to simply talk about it and get excited about it and share ideas around it, right? And that's why having a community within our Discord server is, is so great to kind of cultivate those conversations. But also a large part of it is that any impact that you have becomes that, mu that much more powerful when you're able to see the impact with your own eyes, right? When you're able to measure it, when you're able to track it. It's great to know that certain amount of calls have been planted, but that's only half of the process actually planting them, right? Actually showing to everyone how that process of planting goes, getting them excited about them, you know, getting them to talk about them. That does the other second part of the job, which is, you know, slowly educating people and kind of opening the doors to this paradigm shift of, of normalizing conversations around this. So marine conservation, obviously, it's a, it's a huge part. Now, the other part of that is you will see more development in the marine space. There will be more jobs, more sectors that are going to build up across the world because that's just the direction we're going. How do you see there a connection can be made there as in projects that are looking at community-based things such as a community-based aquaculture system, for example? Um, I haven't seen any... Again, that also comes back to conservation, but I haven't seen any projects yet that look at that. Is, is that something that you may look into the future, how to support communities like that? 
Absolutely. I mean, through the Impact Fund, we'll constantly be looking at different applications of technology and communities within the, the fight for marine conservation. Um, but already some of the network of partners that we have in place, uh, which are include kind of Coral Guardian, Coral Triangle Center in, in Indonesia, another one in uh, the Bahamas called Turks and Caicos Reef Fund. But they're going to help us fulfill our pledge of planting 3,000 corals across three continents. But then some of them have already started sharing other ideas that could potentially be proposed to the impact fund, such as, uh, for instance, kind of like a gallery, uh, immersive gallery, which showcases kind of uh, different aspects of marine wildlife through all these like immersive projections. And that would focus more on, on making an accessible space to their local community in order to educate uh, that town where they're based in about all the impacts of marine conservation, as well as uh, the impact that their core restoration programs is having. So the the short answer is yes, in in a way. Like so, yeah, we have a kind of an initial direction of planting coral, and that's why we're Crypto Coral Tribe. But part of our initial vision was like, how can we, you know, approach this from a bit of a holistic or three sixty point of view, you know, and incorporate other projects that tackle this from other angles, whether they focus more on community building, a specific technology, or other marine habitats. We wanted to sort of keep it open and, and that's the whole idea about the impact fund it's not so definable as in we'll do this this and this there's a few things set in place at the beginning but after that it's going to be largely up to the team of curators and even to the community to sort of propose how it moves forward and can we go back one step planting three thousand corals explain that to me we're a crypto coral tribe okay and um, the inspiration behind this is that corals kind of at the heart of the ocean you know they house um, a lot of fish they they provide that habitat for so much diversity not in our waters you know and um, so as our sort of first step we wanted to like make a big impact and we started discovering all these like adopt a coral programs and different NGOs around the world planting coral restoring reef habitats and um, and local communities in that process right so We've partnered up with three different NGOs in four different locations, as Jimmy mentioned, in uh, a couple in Indonesia, one in the Bahamas, and one in um, in the south of Spain, actually. And through them, and through a variety of different techniques, we're going to be planting baby corals um, in order to um, kind of restore these some already damaged habitats and and kind of uh, provide our first uh, kind of impact through that. So that's the idea behind that. With uh, Triangle Center, there's, um, there's a marine reserved area that they have. They've already planted 250 plus coral there, and we're going to be contributing more to them. And that will be done by planting coral fragments on like star reefs, uh, which are like star-shaped metallic structures, which allow for the coral to grow on. In Spain, um, in a place near Granada, in the south of Spain, um, there's actually a very deep and kind of unknown coral reef with beautiful like candelabra orange corals. And you have to dive quite deep to go there. Um, but there's quite a tragic situation in terms of boats, uh, boats, equipment, nets, things that are like trapped. So what they do is they dive down, they rescue coral, which is in the process of dying because it dies quite slowly, take it back onto land, let it um, recover in a nursery and then transplant it back in the water. So each coral partner has a sort of different practice and, and different way of achieving this. And yeah. In your roadmap, you mentioned the term minting. Can I just ask what that means? Minting ultimately means the first time that uh, an NFT is bought, right? So we as creators will upload all of the uh, art collection 
per se, into the blockchain network of our choice, which is Solana in this case. And then when people want to buy that NFT for the first time, uh, that process is called minting the NFT, where the NFT is kind of revealed and people receive their piece of art. After that process, people will, able, will be able to upload their NFT into what you call a secondary market, which then opens the doors to secondary sales. So minting is the equivalent to what you also hear as a primary sell. And then secondary sell is each time that NFT is uh, kind of transferred. So uh, again, kind of a cool aspect of, of NFTs that have, and, and why it's become such a popular and empowering thing for artists is that you're now able to trace who the creator of a digital file is, right? Who the first person is that uploaded that and stored it in the blockchain. Because you can trace the ownership of that NFT, this enables artists to now uh, attach what you call a secondary sell commission meaning that we will be able to set a commission between 5 and 7.5% to every secondary sale. So every time an NFT is traded in the future beyond the minting, we will receive a commission of that. And out of our commission, once again, 50% of everything that we receive through that will go into the impact fund. So the more our NFTs are traded in the future, the more NFT will be relayed back into the impact fund and therefore we'll have more funds to kind of keep investing in all these projects. I actually looked into it and it comes from... Um... I think it derives from like um, old fashioned coin makers. Like they used to mint a coin, like when they would produce them out of silver and gold, they would mint them and that would be the first time they would get um, processed. So I think that's kind of where the idea comes from because you're like, you're giving birth to that moment of value in a sense, you know? That makes so much more sense now. Um, from this conversation, I can see how younger people would more easily engage. What would you do with a little bit of an older generation? And I don't even mean like, you know, 80 plus, but I mean like 40, 50 plus. This is, you know, a blockchain is, is so new and most people don't know what it is and how to get involved. So do you plan on like community outreach for um, specific target groups? Yeah, obviously we need to accommodate, you know, because a range of, of uh, ages in which people are invested and interested in this topic will, will kind of vary quite a lot. Um, a lot of our community communication actually happens through a social media app called Discord, where we're able to store all of our information, project updates and so on. And we've had the case already where some people... Uh, kind of send us a private message saying, "Hey, you know, actually, I'm 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 a bit older than than your average member in the community, and I'm sorry I don't engage with with all this crazy kind of conversation, which happens quite quickly within the space. But I'm interested in the project, nevertheless. And you know, I feel like in terms of communication and how we're diversifying that, um, a lot will happen on the Discord, which is naturally for younger generations. But then you have Twitter, which is easier to keep up with, and then we're also using a lot kind of leveraging podcasts like these, you know, which bring a lot of attention and are a lot more accessible, let's say, to, to other types of people. But definitely what we're seeing is that um, having a lot of people come into our community, which are new to the NFT space, right? Instead of other communities, which normally go for, you know, people within the space that have been trading NFTs for a while, we've got a strong environmental focus. And through that, we're bringing in and kind of attracting a lot of people that have never really interacted or minted any NFTs. So a lot of our communication right now is focused on educating people, not just on the process of getting involved, but also on the risks associated with that, right? Whether it's um, how to stay safe and how to safeguard your wallet and keep all these kind of uh, access keys uh, safe and, and so on. Well, you work with a lot of artists and creators. 
Now, when I think of artists, I have a very specific mind, and that's just me and from my own upbringing, I have a very specific mind of in like an artist could maybe be more focused on the visual art. And I know you mentioned digital art, um, but then there's also obviously music and there's other art, other ways of presenting art. So what is there a specific focus there? Is there, or is it really like across the board? everything that's the first question the second question then is other artists how can they get get involved and you know like how do they just get into the discord and tell you i have something i'm really interested by artists and creators um we're talking about mul multiple disciplines you know i think the important thing for us is that it can somehow take shape on the digital medium as the end product because that's how we'll be able to sort of realize it, display it, share it with our community, potentially sell it as a future NFT and, and raise money for the impact fund. So it's always important for us to, to have that digital translation. But, you know, I've, I've seen and, and met a lot of artists who are actually turning a lot of their, they used to be physical artists, they work a lot with a physical medium. And I myself used to paint, you know, and are now transitioning to expose some of their work and other concepts on the digital medium that are now possible there because you can do some crazy things with the digital medium that are not possible in the in the physical one and still transmit your same message and an art form you know so I think there's a really cool trend there that we're seeing in terms of that that transition and um, I encourage artists who are purely in that medium to also you know open up to other you know we used to go from painting to sculpture to uh, kind of collage or whatever you know but there's a whole digital medium there as well so that would be the first thing And then in terms of artists, we, we wish to work with and, and invite into our community in future. You know, as Jimmy mentioned before, for us, a really important thing with this, um, this mission is um, realizing that power of art. We want to work with artists who bring attention, energize people, um, tr somehow translate into a novel way the environmental situation we're living in and and the way in which we can respond, whether that's a pure appreciation and beauty of nature or whether that's something more literal and like revolutionary, you know, but we're, we're open to working with all kinds of artists who, who have that direction and intention. And just to give you a bit more of a tangible example, um, one of the artists who we're already starting to plan something with for our, um, one of our impact fund proposals is actually an Australian artist called Andy Thomas. And what he does is he visualizes the sounds of birds. So he travels to the rainforest in Brazil. He goes to New Zealand. He goes to all these amazing places. He records the sounds of birds in the forest. And he translates this into a, a kind of visual and sculptural animated language, you know, and produces these amazing pieces of work. Um, and so with him, we'd like to do something around the ocean. Is there any questions you have or anything that you would like to raise and talk about? I'd like to ask you, like, what, what, initiative or practice or project have you has uh, have you crossed uh paths with which kind of got you the most excited in, in regards to potential of you know marine conservation environmental conservation like what um the way you do it i don't think i would have come across any any projects that are in my mind right now so that's why i think it's very exciting that's why, why it's exciting to talk to you and um i wouldn't underestimate how cutting edge you are but you are at a very uh, front running into something and you see that now there's a lot of more interest from the community in the ocean space because there's more outreach and more knowledge about it five ten years ago 
people didn't quite understand or didn't look at the ocean as something that really needs to be preserved because there is so much of it. You mm. know, there is so mm. much blue. You walk out and it's just water. Um, but I think people are now getting uh, getting to understand that, you know, it's marine conservation, it's marine bio biodiversity, it's climate change, it's all the kinds of changes. Uh, they're all connected. That I like what you say about, you know, people getting excited because that's that's such an important thing, right? To to have people excited is what's going to lead them to drive a conversation about it, to invest in a project, to take some sort of action to contribute, right, to marine conservation. So getting people excited or potentially kind of scared to some extent, right? Scared of the threat, excited to save it is such a big point. And, and it's true that more and more, you know, as time goes by, people are getting more excited because... You know, for instance, before we, we we knew so little of the ocean, we had, you know, our technology limited us so much to actually see what's down there and, and explore. And, you know, and as all these kind of uh, marine cameras and, and things like that are emerging, right, the level of, of like even documentaries, marine documentaries, the level of the quality of the shots and everything and, and everything they're able to include is it's kind of opening the doors to this whole new world of, of possibilities to get people excited to to be part of this, right? this other world that we don't really come across on a daily basis, which is the marine world. So I love that. And, and yeah, just being by the ocean, me and Christian go a lot to, to the beach for a cold swim in the middle of January, you know, and the way it wakes you up and really just being underwater and hearing all the sounds. It's like a meditation, you know, when you're hearing the sound move, the sand move and all the cold water really activating you. And it's, it's a beautiful feeling. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when you were sharing that, it was making me think of a couple of ideas, like the first one being like when you're in the water, you're kind of like weightless. You know, it's like we it, that's a very symbolic thing. Like when we were when we were a, a baby in the in the womb, we were sort of weightless. You know, that's like it's it's that state of, you know, kind of life and and, and coming outside of your regular life. You know, so I think there's something very powerful in that. Um, in that connection to the sea which um, you speak of and the other idea is like we actually came from the water like we evolved out of the water and our spines developed for like if you look at, at the spine of a fish it's very similar to ours the, the movement the uh, the ability and the mobility of our spine comes it's a waveform you know so I think there's something super deep and inherent in us which is connected to to the sea to weightlessness to water you know and um and a connection quickly being lost you know like even i find myself sometimes we walk um where we live here we have like a a pier you know they're not a pier like um like a walkway that's built near, near the near the sea right and we walk down there and it's just so much more comfortable to walk on the flat surface and to not be down there on the annoying little rocks and like oh, a bit cold today on your feet you know but I think, um, yeah, in terms of like moving forwards and, and like finding this re reconnection to what it, what is so normal with us, like, um, yeah, we need to kind of come outside of those those boundaries and, and like, you know, get our feet a little bit on, you know, on the slippery bits and, you know, like come back into that um, responsive mode. So, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed talking to both Jimmy and Christian about their passions and their origins, how they came up with this idea and how they 
are so driven in ensuring that we all learn more about the ocean, bringing the biodiversity closer to home and understanding that we all can take part of this. If you do want to reach out to them, I'm going to share their contact information in the bio so you can always reach out to them, talk to them. I urge you, if you have any questions, they were so eloquent and so nice about answering all the questions, uh, which was just so amazing to have somebody sit down with me, uh, talk to me about the one thing that I'm super passionate about, which is the ocean but then also bringing a, another way of ensuring marine conservation projects. Please do reach out to them. I promise you, you are going to be amazed. I hope you have a wonderful week and happy exploring!